This is Abacus. I'm Bob, the CPA. My guest today is Kristen Rampey, and she'll be sharing some business communication strategies, including an overview of the different communication styles, why they matter, and how to handle difficult conversations at work. All this coming up on Abacus. Let's go. Learn everything you need to know to have a successful and fulfilling accounting career. Whether you're on the partner track or you're making your own path, this is Abacus. Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Abacus Show, where I bring together the smartest people I can find and ask them to share their experience to help you become a top performer. My guest today is Kristen Rampey. She's a CPA and leadership consultant who helps accountants focus on learning soft skills like communication, client service, and building great teams. In this discussion, we're going to focus on business communication, why it's important, and a few quick ways you can improve. While you're listening, try to think about your own communication style and how it matches up with the styles of your coworkers and clients. Maybe you'll learn how to improve your own office communications and get better results. You can get a summary and links for everything we talk about today in the show notes for this episode at abacusshow.com slash 209. Now let's jump right into the interview with Kristen Rampey. Okay, let's just jump right in. We had talked briefly about going through and maybe doing an effective business communication, kind of a 101 level course. So I was wondering, before we get into that, would you mind kind of walking me through your career up to this point and how you've kind of learned along the way? And then we can go into kind of some tips you have for people getting started. I started my career with PricewaterhouseCoopers in San Jose, California, and I worked in their audit group for close to three years, and I audited mostly software and internet companies. And following that, I went into industry briefly, just for about a year and a half, and then I went back into public accounting at a regional firm called Frank Rimmerman, also out in the San Francisco area. And I worked there for seven years years and I did a little bit of auditing, a lot of Sarbanes-Oxley compliance, and also quite a few consulting projects, which were was anything that came to our firm that didn't sort of fit into the tax or audits or other departments that we had established, showed up on my desk and we had to figure out what the client needed and how we would address it and get those projects taken care of. So that was actually uh, quite a bit of fun. So that was kind of my my 10-year public accounting path. And then five years ago, I left there and started my own firm. And so now I work with CPAs kind of on the other side. So I bring leadership development, communication, and other sort of soft skills training to firms and individuals that want to improve in those areas. And when you're doing these I guess the trainings, do you usually go into the firm or is it online or how does that work? Yeah, it's usually on site. I'm a big fan of face-to-face. I do do some online sort of webcast or webinar type training and certainly coaching, you know, one-on-one by phone with individuals. But uh, a lot of the work I do, uh, retreats and um, all hands meetings and workshops, those are usually face-to-face because it's so much easier to um, get your point across and to communicate with somebody and share with them how to do that with their own clients with their own team when you're there in person. So what I've done today, and we talked a little bit before uh, before we hopped on this call, is I kind of pulled out a couple topics that I think would translate well to audio uh, from mm-hmm. the list of topics you have on these, you know, your in-person on-site trainings. So I wanted to give people a heads up that if they visit your website at kristenrampy.com, they can check out the full, you know, course offering. And if they want to bring you in for, I assume, 
teach them in more detail or to teach their team or to teach other people at, you know, other offices. I assume that's something you're available for. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yep. That's what I do. Okay. Today we're going to talk about effective business communication and we're going to talk about a couple things you can start doing right now to kind of recognize your communication style, fix your business writing, and then also kind of how to deal with some of the more difficult conversations you come across in the office. Starting out, would you mind kind of walking us through communication styles um, and why it's important to recognize them? Yeah, I'd love to. So communication styles, when when you have an awareness that, that there are styles out there beyond your own, it can help you get your message across more effectively to the person that you're trying to communicate with. That's sort of the, the premise of these styles. So a lot of times we just get it caught up in thinking, you know, why don't they understand what I'm saying? You know, why aren't they getting the message in the way I'm sending it? And a lot of that reason can be you're sending it in the way that you would like to receive it and that's most comfortable for you to be delivering it. But when you think about delivering a message that's more important than say, would you like to go get a sandwich at lunchtime? Uh, it's great to consider your audience in their preferred style so that you can kind of move towards their direction or match their style to be more effective. And could you give me an example of a couple of the different communication styles? Yeah. So there are four, if you kind of think of a little quadrant grid, there's sort of four styles. And, and most people utilize a combination of them, but everybody usually has a, a strength, you know, an area that they sort of gravitate to. And the four that, that I see are um, direct and the way you might sort of recognize someone in that style is that's the person who's going to send you an email and all it's going to say is THX, which is that abbreviation for thanks. Like they can't even be bothered to write out the whole word. Um, they just want to get this thing off their plate. Um, also, those are the people that type, you know, the question in the subject line with the end of message and send it off. And, and lots of people use that a lot of times, but that's a great um, characteristic of the direct style. The second one would be the sociable style, and these are not in any particular order, but just the order I thought to talk about them. So it would be sociable. And these are the people who kind of need or really want to talk about their day or their week or their vacation before they can get down to business with you and talk about the, the details of the question or problem you're going to discuss. So they're the ones that, that really enjoy building that camaraderie and relationship when you're speaking with them. Third one, analytical. These are the people that want all the details. They might need a little more time to kind of marinate or process something before they make a decision, but they really love having everything laid out for them. You know, and sometimes they are the ones going to seek the details. It doesn't mean you have to always give it to them, but they love, love to have all the information to be able to make a decision. And then the fourth style, being considerate. And the considerate folks are the ones that really want to think about how what we're doing or an initiative or a project or a problem impacts other people in addition to what's going on with the business. So these are the folks that are out there making sure that everyone is representative and has a chance to talk uh, before coming to a conclusion. So those are, those are the four different styles and a few little tips on how you might be able to uh, identify them in the workplace. So a good way I can think of from my own experience using these is when I was out at an audit client, for example, and I needed to get something from a client contact, I would often have people who would prefer that I send them a detailed list of exactly what they need in email. And it could be, you know, a two page email and they'd be extremely happy with that. And then there's also people who are like, just give me a call and tell me real quick what you want. Does that kind of fit into these styles? Yeah. I mean, the styles and then the methods are two different things, but they do play well together. So yeah, that one person who just is too busy or wants all the details so clearly laid out is going to want that. 
two-page email with all the details, and they don't want you to stop by and comment on the picture about, of their dog on the desk. They just want you to get the stuff to them and get, get out of there. And another person may want you to come by and sort of, you know, have a few things to say and then ask them for something and then they get it to you. So yeah, you want to think about both the vehicle and the style that the person might prefer to receive the information from you. Applying this to your everyday life, if you're out at, say, a client site and you're not sure what somebody's communication style is, what are some, some clues you can pick up or kind of what should your default be before you understand what their, their preferred communication style is? The first thing I would do is if you've got a team member who might know, I would ask that person if you're out on a job and you've got a manager or a partner that might have a bead on how best to communicate with them or even having them proofread your email or you tell them what you're planning on saying and see what they how they feel. So the first one, see if there is information in the room, if you will. Um, and the second is I would go with sort of a neutral professional approach. So you don't want it to be too reserved and technical and not at all warm, but you don't want it to be too warm and overflowing with all of the, you know, hey, guess what I did last weekend and all this stuff. So you want to have a, a little bit of warmth and a little bit of getting to the details. And the best way to judge it from there is watch their replies and see how they're communicating back to you because that's likely that they are likely not analyzing how can I best communicate with my auditor. They're just doing their default. So when they reply to you, take your cues from that. Um, and again, you always want to be professional, so I wouldn't be too short in your emails. Even if the controller is writing back to you with one-word responses, you're going to want to give him the courtesy of a complete sentence, um, but you can be brief and clear about what you're saying back to him. Okay, and so I guess moving on to our next topic, I think that's a good jumping off point is let's say you decide that either the person's preferred method of communication is you know, seeing things in writing or there's just... Sometimes you just have to do stuff through email um, just for logistical purposes or whatever. So are there a couple things that you see people doing that they should really not be doing when they're writing business emails or business communication? Oh, boy. Yeah, there are all sorts of things not to be doing. I, I think one of the biggest things is sending an email when you shouldn't send an email. And I hear this in my, my work. I work with you know, a variety of levels at CPA firms, so from, you know, from staff all the way up to your partners. And the other day I did a, a workshop and we had and probably the person with the least experience in the room probably had four to five years up to, you know, 25 years. And there were 60 people and we, we put them around the room according to their communication style, actually, and had them write out a little charter. You know, what, what are your pet peeves uh, as it comes as it relates to communication. And one thing that showed up on every single list was a pet peeve with too many emails, which is interesting because if everyone is annoyed about how many emails, who's sending all these emails, right? So I think one of the things that I see people do is sending an email when they could pick up the phone or they could walk to the office next door. And that's a great one to even just ask. You know, if I have a quick question, would you prefer that I shoot you an email, send you an instant message, text you, or swing by your office and see what they say. And you might come up with some great ways of communicating people based on how they would like to receive the information. Oh, man. And if you're a staff out there, your seniors and managers will love you for this because you will get work done so much more quickly if you just walk over there as opposed to waiting for clients to email you back. And so for the communications themselves, are there anything during the writing that people should be focused on to maybe look more professional or just get the message across more, uh, I guess, better is the best word yeah. I can come up with for it. Right. No, definitely. And there, I've got a couple, couple of tips that people can do that are, they're not too hard, but they do take thoughts. And before I dive into those, I would say that these apply to 
you know, an email that you care about. So I wouldn't suggest that you do these steps again on pinging somebody for whether or not they want a ham sandwich or a turkey sandwich. This is not, you know, the context is in the emails that I have a little more weight to them. So when you do find yourself needing to send something electronically um, or even in any other written context, the first, first tip is turning your whole body away from your computer screen and answering the question in six words or less what do I want to say or what do I want to have happen as a result of this message? Because a lot of times we start with our fingers on the keyboard and our eyes on the blank page or the reply page and we're trying to figure it out right there without actually thinking about what's my goal? What's my high level six word goal um, for this email? You know, like I want them to give me the PVC items. That's maybe that's more than six words, but the point is to not and two sentences on that. So just thinking about really clearly what do you want them to do as a result of the email. So that would be one tip. And that's going to help you get, you know, a succinct written piece with clarity and brevity, which is which are some great characteristics. Another tip, and I've got three if I didn't say that already. So the next tip is while you're drafting it or certainly at the end, stand in their shoes and say, hey, if I were Bob the CPA receiving this email, how would I react to it? You know, how would I take this if I stood in my client's shoes or my manager's shoes? What, what would be my reaction? And is that the reaction you want? And then my last one is, and I just, not everybody struggles with this, but I know some people do, then it's actually, it's okay to be social and conversational and even fun in your message. Um, we don't have to keep everything so buttoned down and professional that we don't open ourselves up and, um, you know, be sort of a real person in our message because this is what, relationships are built on. And generally speaking, with all the people we're writing, we want to build some type of a relationship. And you want your recipients to look forward to your communications, not to dread them. So if, again, if you are friendly uh, in your emails and you give them some something worth reading beyond the details, that can often be useful, of course, keeping in mind that the style of the person that you are trying to communicate with. So those are a couple tips that I think could help people really tighten up, again, the emails when they are more important than just what's for lunch. That's great. I always like to have maybe some tips people can start doing right away. And those are great ways anyone listening can go back to their desk after this. And for the next, you know, important email, you're right you can have it be better than it was before. So thank you so much for that. Moving on to our final topic for today is this is somewhere I for sure have not received any formal training. And I, I really wish I would have when I was in the firms because these things come up in your professional life all the time is when you have to manage these difficult decisions. I was wondering if you could kind of walk us through how we should be thinking about these difficult conversations and kind of how to handle them. It's a huge topic, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see what I can do in a couple of minutes for you, just to give you a couple of really high-level things. First, what I would say is just to think about what makes a conversation difficult to begin with. And really what's going on there is heightened emotions and feelings. That's kind of number one, which is it's sometimes hard to say because accounting, we generally don't think about accounting and emotions, right? In fact, you know, leave, leave your crying. There's no crying in accounting. Check your emotions at the door. Those are a lot of messages that we hear. Um, but what can actually, actually be very useful is to acknowledge your emotions in a kind of calm and professional way, but recognizing that you do get frustrated and you do get angry and you do get irritated in the workplace. So, so starting there and, you know, that can be the result of the way other people are working with you or not working with you as the case may be. 
Um, so recognizing that, that that's often what makes conversations difficult is we have heightened feelings. We often don't have, like you just said, we don't have a lot of skills in dealing with this. It's not something that many people in the profession at any stage of their career have really practiced in a sort of safe environment where they feel like, okay, I'm going to practice, you know, having a difficult conversation without actually having it uh, to make it less scary when you go into it. Um, so what can go wrong is if you don't check in with those things first and you just go into a conversation feeling really frustrated. A lot of times the words you use are not the ones that are most effective in communicating with them. But instead, if you think about the conversation as an opportunity to connect uh, and a way to kind of come up with a win-win for everybody, that can be a useful perspective as you go into them. And let me share an, an example with you um, just to kind of highlight some ways to address things. So when I was a, I think I was a senior manager and I had a, a short office-based assignment to give to somebody. So I, I called up a staff person whom I'd worked with over the last few years several times and I knew the quality of work that she did and I knew, you know, well enough how to communicate with her. So I brought her into my office and said, hey, let me describe this project to you. So I told her what I needed her to do, which involved researching something and writing up a summary that was probably somewhere between a half a page and two pages. And then I sent her on her way and I said, okay, go ahead and do this. Email it over to me when you're done and we should be good. So at the end of the day, she shoots me an email and says, here you go, I finished the work that you asked me to do. It's attached. The attachment was actually there, you know, which that gets left off sometimes, but she had it. And so I thought, great. And I opened up my email and I opened up the message and the attachment and I started to read it. And as I started to read it, my blood started boiling because what she had done was not at all what I needed. Like it was nowhere close to what I was looking for. And I started to get so frustrated right in the moment. You know, I was just like, why? I, you know, I asked her to do this and she did this other thing and it's really different and I don't understand. And I was really, I was really frustrated. So I had those heightened emotions. And instead of calling her up and laying into her right there or just having her come to the office and explaining why she did everything wrong, I took, I took a couple minutes and I, I just simmered down, which is always a good thing to do when you're feeling frustrated. Uh, so I simmered down and then I called her and I said, hey, can you come over? And, and here's, the, here's kind of like the magic line. Can you walk me through what you did? So without passing any judgment on, hey, what you turned in was not what I asked for, because that would have made her feel sort of, you know, upset herself and kind of inferior and, and just bad generally. I just asked her to walk me through what she did. And as she started to do that, it became really clear to me where the disconnect was between what I had asked her to do and what she had received as being the task. And I was able to see where the downfall was in, in myself and giving the instructions and, oh, I asked you to do this and you interpreted it as that. And it just made a lot of sense and it just brought a lot of kind of relaxation to the conversation as a whole. Didn't mean that we didn't have to go back and rework it and get it done the way I wanted and I had to be more clear and more specific about some of the things that I thought she would have understood. Um, but at least that conversation, instead of being, you know, scary and angry and, you know, alienating her further, it was more of a connecting conversation. So that's kind of, you know, one phrase you can do when you're working with someone, and this would be more certainly in a supervisory state, is walk me through what you did. Um, and then there are also those difficult conversations where we want to talk with someone else who may be more uh, senior than us, and those can be challenging in their own way. I like that example because it actually illustrates two of our points we're talking about. I think 
it illustrates the importance of communication styles up front for, you know, setting expectations. And then it also shows how to handle that if things aren't exactly matched up um, when you get the final product. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah, you're welcome. So before I let you go today, is there anything we haven't really covered that you think is really important for these couple topics we're talking about? One last thing I'd love to leave people with is, uh, well, I guess two things. One, you'd mentioned expectations and the clearer we are with our expectations and, and that could be expectations you have of other people performing work for you or if you are in a position where you're working for someone else, asking them to be clear on their expectations, that either eliminates challenging conversations or it gives you a great basis by which to have a more difficult conversation because um, you're not worried about the facts. Like, let's say I asked you to show up to a meeting at 9 o'clock and I said, Bob, can you please come to this meeting? You need to be there at 9 o'clock. It starts at 9. And then if you show up at 9.15, I don't have to be worried about whether or not you knew to come at 9 because I made it very clear before. So we can start that conversation by saying, you know, we agreed that well, let's assume we agreed, right? You said yes. <laughs> so we agreed you would be here at 9, and you showed up at 9.15. And then we can go further into that, you know, what's going on? Why were you late? Is this going to be something going on in the future? What can we do about it, and why is it important? And then the last point is another thing that can be really hard to get in touch with but is useful is what do you need out of the situation? So in that example of being on time, an easy default is, well, I need you to be on time. But what I really need when I think about needs that are for me and for myself is I need to trust that you're going to follow through on your promises. So when you think about what is it that you need, that can be really useful also for some of those more challenging conversations. So just a couple of points, and those, get, those are getting pretty deep. This, a lot of times I cover this content in more of like a full-day workshop, so don't feel bad if it's all a little bit kind of crazy in the head. Give me a call. If you need more information, I'd be happy to connect with anybody on it. Would you mind giving us maybe a rundown of the different workshops you offer and kind of who they're targeted to? Oh, yeah. I have um, a myriad of workshops. So I have a leadership development program, and that is targeted either towards senior associate level or manager level folks that want to be a part of a two-year program, typically within their firm or within an association. And we go through all sorts of topics, from communication to public speaking to project management. And then I also work with partner groups on, you know, just communicating with each other as well as communicating with their staff. A lot of times there's disconnect, you know, the partners want the staff to ask them more questions. The staff want the partners to ask them more questions. And we work together and figure out how to reconnect. And sometimes you would connect for the first time, uh, the partner group within themselves or the partner staff. And all of that stuff leads to a lot of great culture and connection within the firms. And it makes people really enjoy coming to work more than um, they may have in the past. And, you know, a variety of, of other topics. Some one-on-one coaching is always really interesting. And you can check out all that stuff on my website. Wonderful. We'll have a link to that in the show notes for today's episode over at abacusshow.com. I guess that's it for today. So thank you, Kristen, for coming in. I really appreciate you being on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Before I end the show today, I just want to take a quick moment to say thank you to all of you for listening. Because of you guys, The Abacus Show was recently featured in a Journal of Accountancy article as one of the five podcasts accountants should be listening to. That's really exciting for me, and I really appreciate all your support. 
If you want to check the article out, I'll include a link to it in the show notes for this episode at abacusshow.com slash 209. As always, thanks for listening. If you like this episode, go ahead, tell your friends, because the greatest compliment you can give me is a referral, either in person or share it on the web. 